Good evening and welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith. It's Wednesday night, which means it is retro night. And it's good evening to George, to Steve Wilkinson, to Stu, to Mitch and to Steve Hasty. Good evening, lads. Evening, good evening, Steve. Hello. Evening. Good to see you. And this week, uh, once again, we've been given a bit of a, a, a mission to try and find games and uh, ex-players that played for both teams and celebrities. But we've managed to do it. It's Newcastle United against Derby County this week and uh, Tom Dixon, uh, I think he sets his watch every week and uh, he's got straight in at five o'clock with uh, can we do Hull City next week? So uh, Hull City it is next week and we've had a request to do Southampton the week after so Hull City then Southampton <laughs> is uh, is your yeah, tasks lads for the weeks ahead so uh, obviously we'll uh, wish you luck with those and um, we'll waste no time uh, we'll get straight on with the uh, the games and it's over to you George for the, uh, the first um, game Newcastle against Derby. Well, it's going to be something of a history lesson as well, I can tell you. My first game is uh, 1948 49 season, April 49 at Derby, where, thank you, but that's the home. home that's the home one, but that's the right yes, game. It is. <laughs> uh, and we won that one as well. Um, and the reason I say it's a bit of a history, history lesson, because although I didn't go to the game. If uh, uh, I didn't only didn't go to the game simply because my father and my two uncles, Tom and John, and my grandfather realised that a coach full of Jodies going to Derby for a match uh, was going to involve quite a bit of alcohol, which uh, was not going to be uh, extremely very pleasant for a seven-year-old at the time. Otherwise, I probably would have been there. Anyway, the, his the history lesson isn't just about the match. It reminds you about uh, why we legacy supporters are what we are. Um, it, in those days, we had common common sense. If, if a bus company wanted to take a bus load of lads to Derby, they could go up to the St James's and get the tickets themselves. And as long as they sold the tickets for the bus, it was done. The supporter didn't have to do anything other than get on the bus and pay for the ticket. And at the time... My grandmother, Nana, Neil's big Nana, great-grandmother, worked uh, for a, a, um, the local coach company. She used to sweep the buses out. Uh, Hollands used to run at Sharabangs from Sunholm to Wall's End. But they had four luxury coaches, which they used to use for trips. So the two uncles who used to generate all this fun, uh, and my father, he said to me, me, Nana, ask Alfie Hollands if he'll run a bus to Derby. And of course, because Mrs. Brian, that's what the Nana asked it, because Alfie Hollands did. He went and got the 35 tickets to fill his 35-seater bus. And the next thing, the bus was full. Uh, my dad, my grandfather, two uncles, and all the mates from the Pennywed Barn Walls End were off to Derby. And of course, the thing about my dad was that in Derby, uh, one of his sisters lived. And because his plan was, well, I'd get to see my sister. So on the way there, one or two of his friends said, um, what you do for your, uh, your lunch, uh, Harry? Um, and uh, he said, oh, well, I'm, I'm just going in now. And I said, oh, well, you, you come, you see. And then bit by bit, as the, bit, the bus got a bit closer to, to uh, Derby, my dad realised that the two uncles, Tob and John, they were inviting their friends to go to Nan. <laughs> so by the time they got to Nan Street, the whole bloody bus was having <laughs> the Auntie Nan's. So as we're getting off the bus, my dad said to the driver, 
Well, I don't know what you're going to do for another while we're having lunch. Oh, he says, it's all right, John. He says, I can come in here and get me lunch as well. So even the <laughs> driver was going in, in for his lunch uh, to, to this. Bear in mind, we're still in Rushton. Didn't phase me Auntie Nan at all. She worked at the local corner shop. She went scurrying along the shop, came back with hands full of bread and uh, tins of spam and stuff that the, the, the man who owned the shop had, uh, gave her. Uh, and our daughters and, and some of the neighbours made sandwiches. So this lot all piled in to get the sandwich lunch. <laughs> uh, and while she was at the shop, the, la the lad who owned the shop said to her, have they got any beer? Well, they didn't have much beer left by then. And he had some, uh, or it was, uh, what do they call the big brewery down there? Um, Buxton's. Uh, that, it's just, he says, I've Burton. got some uh, Burton. I've got some Burtons in the shop, um, but I can only let you have so much. Uh, so the lads said, well, well, we'll take everything you've got and come along, come all the crates of beer. Uh, and then uh, after they'd finished their dinner, he'd he, he whisper at me, Auntie Nan, are they short of fags? Because fags were on, on ration as well. And Nan said, yes, I think most of them are. So they had a whole case of wood bangs on the bus <laughs> before they went home. So, as I say, this is, this is how legacy fans were born, gentlemen, you know. <laughs> and... Uh, Anyway, they had their dinner and off, off they went to see a fantastic match. My Auntie Nan's, incidentally, my Auntie Nan's husband was Cyril, who was a radar expert in the, in the RAF. And uh, he built his own television. And in 1953, all the women in the family went to Derby to watch the coronation on, his, on Cyril's homemade television. That, that's the sort of uh, um, egghead he was. A clever lad, um, a bit of a ball minder a party, but never mind, he was a clever lad. Um, anyway, this this was a match that we were, were likely to lose, uh, so the pundits were saying. The fact is, um, we, we beat them well and truly. 4-2 uh, to Newcastle, and because uh, uh, Derby were well up the league, but so were we. Bear in mind, this is our promotion season. The season before we won the second division, with an average crowd of 53,600. The biggest average attendance in Europe. Does that sound familiar, boys? Mm -hmm. And yeah. this yeah. this season is a promotion season, and we're not on spots off the first division. We should a top for a good way through, through that season. And it wasn't until near the end we did a usual Newcastle thing we lost points to teams in the bottom six. Otherwise, we would have won the league hands down. We ended up as fourth. But this game ended 4-2. The team was Fairbrother, Cowell, Batty, Dodgen, Harvey, who scored a goal, Brennan, Sibley, who scored, Taylor, Stobard, Rob, Rob Lido, George Rob Lido, who scored two, and Bobby Mitchell. And the manager was George Martin, of course, and the assistant manager was um, Norman Smith. Now, here's a bit, another bit of the history lesson. George Martin was quite a character. Quite a character. And in the middle of that season, uh, the directors, uh, um, um, or the, the Dr. What's-his-name, who was the director in Westwood and, and Herford, that's right, Herford, uh, uh, Westwood, uh, Seymour, all went down to the Theatre Royal to see the manager of the Theatre Royal and said to him, uh, they had an uproar on, and they, they said to the manager, you need to sack your tenor. Our manager's a better tenor than he is. And you want to audition George Martin for the role of, of tenor in this opera. 
Um, trying to think which one it was. It was one of the big operas as well. Anyway, eventually the manager was persuaded to, to listen to George Martin sing. And sure enough, for a week, he sacked his tenor and the Newcastle <laughs> managers sang in the opera. This could only be Newcastle United, couldn't it? I mean, really, you know. <laughs> And, and and George Martin knocked their socks off. Back to the football, of course. We got promoted with a huge, huge, uh, um, nearly £100,000 uh, profit. Uh, and Seymour was spending money, money like water. But at that time, we had 40, 40 professionals on the staff. And halfway through the season... 17 of them were on the transfer list because they couldn't get a bloody game. And uh, Seymour was still buying. Cardiff had a lad called uh, 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 Chambers, an outside right, who everybody wanted to buy, but nobody could afford him. Seymour could afford him because he, he hired 17 grand at the, at the, at the transfer fee to Cardiff. And the bloke signed for us. Where was he going to play? We already had 40 players. And so there was another addition to the problem. So um, halfway through the season, uh, the directors decided, because there was so much discontent in the club with 17 on the transfer list, that they would have a, a roundtable meeting and allow the players to express their concerns about things that were going wrong and things that were going right. I mean, could you imagine that happening now? God <laughs> save us. Um, and apparently... It went quite well, according to the directors. None of the players commented mine. And uh, they sorted out one or two things. One or two players weren't happy about the houses they had. And, and that was sorted out and, and all the rest of it. And it was uh, got things right for a while. But still by uh, January, February, there were still 16 players put on the transfer list in which Westwood, Westwood came out and said, well, the manager didn't put them there. So the people who did put them there should come out and state their reasons publicly so that everybody could see it was above board. And, uh, of course, nobody did. But it was absolute mayhem and finished fourth. We should have won the league hands down, but typical Newcastle with a, with a background like that, um, how could we win, win, it, win a league title? Um, and uh, eventually, by the end of the season, of course, most of the players that were on the list were were getting transferred out. Um, but it could only happen at Newcastle, couldn't it? I mean, it, it, it couldn't happen anywhere else. And uh, the return leg that you showed the programme for, Steve, I, actually, I, there was a picture I was going to put on um, uh, of the uh, of, during the match with the uh, stamps, the uh, the Derby centre forward, who was, a, who was a very dangerous player, uh, challenging the goalkeeper, when he when he's up in the air, his arms are like this, straight down. And uh, the fact is, people used to train to jump without their arms up there. All of this sort of stuff is very modern, as far as I'm concerned. Um, the hours I spent in the gym at St James's Park doing standing jumps and sergeant jumps. Do you know what a sergeant jump is? No, go Where, on, demonstrate it if you can. <laughs> you crouch, you crouch down as low as you can. And you leap up as high as you can. And what they used to have in the gym at St. James's Park in the car park was a chalk wall. And you jumped up as high as you could and wipe your fingers on the chalk wall. And every week they used to see who could get the highest. And that was to strengthen your thighs to make you leaping. The sergeant jump is a long jump without a run. 
So you get down on your hunkers and, and spring forward, all in aid of making your jump, but making your jump without having your elbows up here. When I listen to Shira, Shira and I'm saying, well, you've got to have your elbows up there to jump and all. Nah, now you might have to, but you didn't have to in those days. Anyway, sorry for the history lesson and a bit of a rant, but that was 4-2 yeah. Derby against Derby at Derby and a very eventful day for some people from Tyneside. That's why people tune in, George. They enjoy listening yeah. to your stories. Never apologise for them. Uh, so, great great a, stories, great recollections. So, Steve Wilkinson, we're over okay. to you, mate. Have we got time for the teams now? Before <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny somebody says, how long's the show tonight? But uh, and somebody also said that uh, one of Steve Hastie's rants has lasted longer than the Super League. Which, uh, which, which is true. I love the fact I love the fact you keep saying legacy supporter as well. Yeah, it's all very, all very good tonight, lads. Uh, yeah, go on then, Steve well, Wilkinson. It's, it's, it's very hard to follow a, a story like that, I'm George. But I'm 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 going to pick one of I think of the, the most exciting games against Derby over the years, um, and uh, that was a game in, in 1976 when Newcastle won four three. And uh, just a bit of background to the situation: then Derby had had won the league the year before. The, the, in the late 60s, Derby sort of became a decent team when Brian Clough and Peter Taylor were there. Um, they won the league with them, and then. It was the time, uh, the season before this, was the, the infamous time when Brian Clough uh, thought he could go and sort Leeds out. We know what happened there. And Dave Mackay, um, well-known kicker from Tottenham and uh, in the earlier days, he took over his derby at the manager and, and they continued to be successful under under uh, Dave Mackay. And, and, and the year before this game, they actually won the league. And they had, they had some decent players in the, in the team. Uh, you know, at the time, Colin Todd and... Uh, uh, Roy McFarland at the, the middle of the defence, uh, Archie Gemmell, great Scottish player, Bruce Rioch, Leighton James, Franny Lee, who had uh, previously been Man City and Charlie George, well known from Arsenal days. So they had, had a decent team and they were they were still in contention at the, at the top of the league um, as this season was going on. Uh, we were in our first season of, under Gordon Lee. Uh, he'd already got rid of Terry Hibbert, so the, 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 the writing was starting to be on the wall. Um, but uh, this this game um, was a one that I, I remember significantly for the for the final goal. But I'll just go through the the sort of incidents of the game. Um, we we as I said, Derby were, were riding high, so it was it was a good game because we're mid table. They, they were you know a little bit higher than we are now, but the, no no great shakes. Um, we uh, we scored first. Tommy Craig uh, hit a free kick. We're attacking the Gallagher end of the first half. And Tommy Craig took a free kick, chipped it in the box, and uh, the, the uh, as the goalie was coming out, it clipped Colin Todd's head and went in the net. So it was an own goal to start with, and that was all the goals in the first half. But it been a pretty exciting game. And then the second half started, and uh, Alan Gowan was broke away on the on the right side, put across in the middle, and Jeff Nulty, who was one of Gordon Lee's uh, boys, in to, to take over from the likes of. Uh, I'm telling you a bit. Oh, yes. He headed the he headed the ball in the net. So that was two oh, nil. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the other five minutes or so, and Derby started getting in the game and, and pulled one back. Um, so uh, Steve Powell header, and then um, sort of Mac broke away on the left side, crossed the ball in the middle, and Tommy Craig, who was the sort of filling in the role for uh, Terry Hibbert, a decent left foot, the same as him, but not not, not as not as good as Terry Hibbert. But he he broke in the penalty. He was brought down. Uh, for a penalty, he actually took it himself. So I might have been relegated from penalty duty for whatever reason. 
So Tommy Craig put it up three one, and yet you thought, here we are, going to going to beat these lots, but. Derby continued to press and, and uh, another three minutes and, and the, the equalised from a corner. Uh, Charlie George scoring this time. And then uh, seven, <coughs> seven from, from the end, um, they, got, they got a bit of a fluky goal. Archie Gemmel put a ball in from the left. It clipped Bruce Rioch's knee, bounced over the head of, of Mick Mahoney. So it was threes each. I thought, well, that, you know, that's not a bad result. But uh, the drama was still to come. And about two minutes later, the... Uh, Ball had got a corner and on the, uh, the east stand side of the the Leeser's end. Tommy Craig swung it in, head, headed out from the goal, went back to him, clipped it back in, sort of Max steeled in, um, avoided the offside trap and headed the winner. Now, I was sitting in the front row of the east stand at that time, um, which had been built a couple of years earlier. We, me, my dad had got a batch of season tickets in there with his mates from the, the post office. And uh, I, I was one of them and, and, and normally sat in the second row, but I think. Uh, my mum was in the second row I think my sister might have gone that game so I sat in my dad's seat I don't think he was there or, or one of his mates wasn't so I was in the front row and I almost went over the edge of the seat leaping up and down when, when this because it was an exciting game anyway when Sutomax scored I can I can just remember holding myself back from leaping over the, the barrier to get the, the fall into the crowd below us on the east stand so that was 4-3 85 minutes um, but the game wasn't over at that time we nearly scored again so Mac broke away on the left clipped the ball across the, the middle and he, Alan Gowan was steaming at the back post and it was similar to the one Joe Linton scored the other week and then probably what we expected Joe Linton to do but he slotted away against Tottenham but uh, Alan Gowan failed to do that hit it straight at the keeper and then minutes later uh, Derby nearly equalised another one which was a, a fantastic save initially from a shot from uh, Charlie George, but Mick Mahoney parried it, and it went to uh, Leighton James, and he and he blasted this shot. And Glenn Keeley did a flying header and, and headed off the line. So it would have been, it, it could have been five four after it was late, but we won four three, fantastic victory. Um, Derby went on to finish fourth that season. We finished again fifteenth, I think, and uh, so it was. Uh, but it was the start of Gordon Lee's era, which obviously didn't last very much longer. Nor did nor did Supermac, which. Uh, that was it. That was a pretty exciting game from the, the mid seventies. Is my first offering tonight. Brilliant stuff, as always, Steve. Uh, Stu, over to you, mate. Uh, just before we start, I see that comment from Spenny there, right? And I tell you, because uh, we've got this WhatsApp group, and Spenny's not working. I can't wait for him to get back and work, mate. When this COVID finished, <laughs> I'm working in an office, right, full of full of uh, Muslims who are all fasting for Ramadan. And it's every day, him and Chris are guys, it's every day, 30 seconds, beep, beep, on my phone. And I say, I'm going to get them a room where they can actually meet together. And say, it's going to be nice. Just get them a hotel room. It's going to be easier for them. It's just the two of them just constantly talking. So I've had to mute it whilst I'm at work because I'm getting strange looks. You know, you can imagine fasting all day and say this anyway. Don't worry, mate. Don't worry, mate. I think they've got the message. <laughs> <laughs> okay, on um, your game. Right, well, I changed game after you put your flyer on. Uh, I did have two picks. I've changed one of them. Now, people know I like to mention, give shout-outs for people's birthdays, etc. Now, I'm going to try for a retro record today and mention four people, but not all at once. So the first one is a, a good friend of mine from back home, and he's a friend of the show. Who He's the guy who donated the flight round Newcastle, Steve. Oh, yes, uh, yep. For the birthday. Yeah, for Nick, it's his birthday today, so I promised him I'd mention that. Right, so on to the game. The first game that I took was a nil-nil. Nil, nil, nil. When you think, well, why would you choose a nil-nil? 
Uh, Arthur Cox was returning with Derby to play against, or Pitty's Wits against Willie McFall's Newcastle. And it was a Mirandina-less Newcastle, because I believe he was injured at that, that game. Now, this game was on the 14th of November, uh, 1987. It was the, the Heat's 14th birthday, birthday two, 14th birthday. And I remember it was a crisp, sunny afternoon. You know, like, uh, there was no wind and not a cloud in the sky. And it kicked off three o'clock. You knew it was going to get dark soon. But after 10 seconds of the kickoff, um, Peter Jackson went through. Well, I see he, he um, lunged at a player. He, it was launched. He must have watched the Karate Kid the night before because it was like a running two-foot. He just levitated like the Matrix, but it was before the Matrix. <laughs> and he just took this player out after about 10 seconds. And if that was now, it's minimum six-game ban. And you got to see, I just remember the, the Heat's dad said, I had nothing wrong with that. <laughs> and he, he just got like a stern ticket off of the referee, you know, after about 10 seconds. But what it did, it's quite literally stamped Newcastle's authority on the game, saying that they were up for the fight. Uh, and this was a Gaza-inspired Newcastle at the time. This is, I think, was his last season as well, in the 87, 88. And he ran the show. And he could have had a hat-trick himself. Paul Goddard could have had a hat-trick. Darren Jackson could have had at least 2-1 was the easiest chance of the lot near the end. Uh, but the reason I finished nil-nil was because, uh, I know I put it on Twitter, it was one of the most inspired goalkeeping performances. Well, at that time, it was the most inspired goalkeeping performance I've seen in my life. I would still say it's in the top five, maybe even the top three by Peter Shilton, who was England keeper. He just made world-class save after world-class save. And it's just when you mentioned it on the Flyers team, I remember that game, there were so many different things. It was £1.50 to get in. That's if you paid to get in, but it was his birthday and his dad was there, so we, we had to. And it was just, just the fact that it, it finished nil-nil. It was a game that I remember quite vividly. Um, yeah. With Paul, Paul Goddard running like, everywhere, creating chances. Gascoigne just waltzing through the... As we all seen many times before he left. But it was, it was really, really such a good game. And how it finished nil-nil was down to Peter Shilton. Yeah, great That's game. I, I was at that. I mean, I remember coming away, you know, from that game with me dad saying that, you know, me dad saying that's one of the best goalkeeping displays I've ever seen. And um, I've spoken to Peter about it. I'm, I'm quite good friends with Peter. And, um, you know, I've had him up here for talkings. And, uh, yeah, he, he says it's one of his best games and uh, looks back on it with a lot of a lot of fond memories. But a great one to pick. And, yeah, uh, takes me back as well. Mitch, over to you, mate, your first game. OK, well, this game... Is has gone down in history with our fans, and with certainly with mine and Sue's generation of fans, it's a game you were either at or you wish you'd been at. Um, it's a game that had so much about it. Um, bad tempered isn't the word. Bad tempered before the game. Um, twentieth uh, of April, nineteen ninety-two, we'd lost five in a row. Uh, we were staying the third division in the face. Um. We got down to Derby and it was one of those games where you had to be on your toes, shall we say. It was one of those days, which is the reason why me and Stu get uncomfortable for sitting with my back to the door of the pub. Yeah. It was one of those days. Um, made worse, actually, by the fact there was a bomb scare before the game as well. 
uh, and rumours doing the rounds that the game was going to get called off because I think there'd been about two weeks before, I think there'd been an IRA bomb in London. So it was, again, the tensions were high generally in the country. Um, and there we were staring the third division in the face, taking a full allocation to the baseball ground uh, and bringing it on. And it's a game, I think, that that goes down in history for as much about the fans as about the game itself. Um, and I and I, I I've spoke to a lad I know I've known for years called Craig, another was end lad who was down there with his mates, and and I've got across checked some of the some of the stuff that he remembers, and I'll I'll, I'll bring some of his stories in as well. Um, the first half was a proper bad tempered affair. Um, we were down down to. Ten men pretty early on. Brock handled on the line, um, and the resulting penalty. And at the time, there was none of this double jeopardy thing. It was a red card and a penalty. Um, by by twenty minutes, we were two 0 down. And about fifteen minutes later, Kevin Scott got sent off for a, a bad tempered foul on Marco Gabbiadini of all people, and it was his second second yellow. Um, that caused Terry McDermott to go mental on the bench and he got his marching orders from the bench as well. Um, so you can imagine by then, um, we were quite on high door and very, very defiant. The noise coming from the way end was already ridiculous. Um, we made it at half time, um, two men down. Um, second half kicked off and within four minutes, Gavin Peacock had pulled one back. And I genuinely believe the the only goal I've celebrated personally as much was probably Tino's third against Barcelona. The whole away end just went mental. And I mean mental. More mental than I can remember being in any time, anyway. Um, you know, bearing in mind we're two men down, we'll pull it back to 2-1, and we actually had a game on. We, we gave them a game. For another 15 minutes, we more than matched them. We we gave them as good as we got. Um, however, of course, you run out of steam on the 70 minutes. We went 3-1 down. And then Liam O'Brien got sent off. And if you see what he got sent off for, um, it was a straight leg toe punt, which was like something off of the Ministry of Silly Walks. It's one of the most ridiculous red cards I think I've ever seen anybody take. And it was pure frustration and tiredness. You could just see he couldn't even kick properly. He was that knackered. But he still had a go at booting the lad. If he caught the lad, he would have landed at Nottingham Lake. Um, so he, 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 and I'm sure the referee that day had new, had Derby for a home win on his coupon because he was determined to, to, to make sure that it stayed that way. So there we are with three men off. Um we concede a fourth on 77. Um, and all the time we were defiant and we sung and we sung and we were defiant. And at the end, Peacock and Kelly nearly had to be helped off the pitch. They could hardly walk. The, the effort we gave as fans just kept them driving on and they gave it and they gave it. And I genuinely believe what happened after that the game against Portsmouth and then the, the the final day at Leicester wouldn't have happened if it hadn't have been for that day. That day galvanised everybody on the pitch and off the pitch. It was one of those moments when the crowd and the team become one and we are Newcastle United and we will never be defeated. 
and the day, it, the memory of the day, um, still gives us goosebumps talking about it. That entire day was just epic in, in a way that you could really hardly believe. And again, talking to Craig, who, who got a seat in the face, by the way, his mate ripped the seat up and tried to chuck it onto the pitch and it boomerang back round and caught him straight in the mush. Um, they, they were saying they had the radio on and that bus on the way back up and, and all BBC Radio Derby's post-match phone in was about, was about us. It was about the way end. Those fans that kept singing, who are they? What, who does that when you're getting, getting beat 4-1 and you've only got eight men on the pitch? And, and he said for, the, for an hour, all they would talk about was us. And, and it's where the, the phrase best in the business was termed about us as away fans. Um, and I g- genuinely believe that kicked everything off. You've got to remember, if you count the following season, which I'll come to later, from that moment, we went on something like a 13-game unbeaten run. Um, altogether, across the two seasons. Um, that crazy. Absolutely crazy. All out of a bad-tempered, horrible game, on and off the pitch. Um, you know, rattled with bomb scares and rattled with sendings off and yet that away end showed the pride in Newcastle in so many ways that you wouldn't be Brilliant stuff great recollection Mitch uh, Steve on to you for your first story Steve Hasty. Evening guys uh, 6th of March 1976 6th uh, round of the FA Cup uh, Newcastle's 7th uh, game in the FA Cup that season uh, after third round nil-nil draw and a 2-1 win in the replay against QPR, a one-all draw and then a 5-0 win against Coventry in the fourth round and then Bolton one runs nil-nil by a 2-1 win in the in the replay. So we'd, we'd had three replays, so there's our sixth game. We're on to our seventh. This game came the week after the League Cup final defeat against Manchester City. Um, at the baseball ground... Um, Nobody's mentioned it yet, by the way, but the baseball ground, notorious for actually being a ploughed field rather yeah. than a football yes. pit. Yeah. It, there was not a blade of grass on the baseball ground for about five seasons, if my memory serves me right. Um, so let's get to the game. As I say, it was the sixth round of the FA Cup. Um, and typical Newcastle, after being defeated in a cup final, we ended up going in what we thought was going to be the another cup final, heading towards another cup final, doing quite well. You know, we always consider ourselves a cup team rather than a league team. And we get five injuries. We have goalkeeper Mick Mahoney out. We have we have Craig, Tommy Craig out. We have Irvin Natris out injured. We have uh, Jeff Noty, who was injured anyway for the final. He's still not available. Um and then we had Paul Kinnell, if I remember rightly. He was also out. So we went, into, we went into that into that team with with a, a goalkeeper playing his very first game for Newcastle, which also turned out to be his last game for Newcastle. <laughs> young lad called Eddie Edgar, um, who I think, if my memory serves me right, he went to Hartlepool. But you know what? He had a great game. He had a really, really good game. Unfortunately, we got B4-2. Um, Typical Newcastle. It it was one of those games that, that when you get when you get home match of the day, 
you've got David Coleman. You know you've got the big game. You know it's the big cup game when David Coleman's the commentator on match of the day in the evening. And and David Coleman has had that ability to make even the most boring of games exciting. But this game was exciting. As I say, we got beat 4-2. Um, Bruce Rioch scored the first two. One, a, a, a nice tap in. The second one, a beautiful free kick from the edge of the box. Uh, right in the top corner, Edgar couldn't get anywhere near it. And I don't think any goalkeeper on the day would have got near it either. Um, two nil down, we pulled it back to two one with uh, with Alan Gowlin. It then went to three one, um, and then it went to four one, um, and then Gowlin pulled it pulled another goal back and made it four two. What this game was also famous for was it was actually Supermax's last cup match for us. Um, because obviously at the end of that season, Supermac was then sold to uh, to, to 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 Arsenal. Um, and Steve, you've mentioned some of the players that were playing for for the opposition um, already that season, and there were some great players. But there was another player who, whose name you didn't mention, who for those of us of a of a of a slightly older disposition will remember Roger Davies. He was a bit of a super sub. He was one of those players. He looked gangly. He was gangly, but he oh, scored. Look, I remember. And he, he, it was one of those that you know in it. In a midweek game, then you'd, when you'd get the football on on a Wednesday night, um, you'd yet again it would be a Roger Davis goal off the back of his head or something like that, you know. But they did have some good players. The game was also for for those who watch Spanish football, the, that game was selected in that team was a certain rear Rocky Hudson. He only yeah. played five games for Newcastle in his entire career, and he went off to at the time which was the big the big place to go. He went to, he went to Fort Lauderdale, and then I think he played. He ended up playing with Pelé and Rodney Marsh, and then had an amazing career in America. And now he's the he's the main commentator that people love to hear talking about uh, Spanish football with all the cliches that he comes out with and, and such like. But uh, there we had we had Rocky Hudson playing a few one of his few games. We had Eddie Edgar in goal and Sutomax last. Uh, Thirty-eight thousand, and that was another 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 cup run that we thought was going to get us to Wembley in '76, uh, but unfortunately, it didn't materialise. And I think, if we're truthful, the reason it didn't materialise was simply the injuries. That, that that those injuries coming just as they did, just after the defeat in the cup final, um, cost us that season. And I think most Newcastle fans honestly thought, after being in there in '74. Having been in the cup final, in the league cup final, I think we thought we were heading back in the FA Cup final in '76, uh, but it, it wasn't a B. But uh, that's my first recollection game, anyway, I, Steve. I think didn't have quite a few of them have flu and stuff as well. Is that? Yes, I think, I think there was a, there was a flu was bug flu. that hit them. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think Mick Mahoney went down in the morning of the game yeah. with it. And Edgar wasn't expected to play. Um, and he got thrown in. And as I say, only one game. He went to Hartlepool, but uh, unfortunate. But I think. It, I think we brought in a goalkeeper, and I think if if my memory serves me right, we brought a goalkeeper in because that was typical Gordon Lee. You know, he, he was going to get rid of Mick Mahoney anyway, so he went out and he and he, and he lashed out on a goalkeeper. Uh, I, I think I wrote it down who it was, but uh, I cannot remember now. I don't. I'm got my specs with this, so God knows who it was. But uh, I'm sure we bought somebody crazy. <laughs> A big thanks to our sponsor, Spider VPN. They've sponsored us for the last three months for your internet security. Uh, also, uh, a big shout out again to uh, Arcot Interiors. 
who are sponsoring us this month, uh, give them a visit uh, at arcotinteriors.com. Uh, give them a ring, 0191-265-8663, or email them, enquiries at arcot.org.uk. Great to have them on board uh, this month. And also a big shout-out to uh, qtechshop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables and walls and Newcastle, and to John at Jab Signature, who makes all of our flyers. If you're a first-time visitor to the channel, then please subscribe. Just hit the Newcastle Legends logo in the bottom right-hand corner, and it's as simple as that. It is free to subscribe. Hit the thumb up to like the video, and click share to uh, share the video and to share the content. And join the chat. Plenty of people sharing memories uh, as the show goes along. We don't talk about what's going on in the modern day on this show, so a lot of people just commenting and we're not ignoring it. It's just uh, tonight's a, a chance to look back on yesteryear and uh, we pick a team each week. And uh, if you're on Twitter, it's worth it's worth following away days 23. Um, they have a, a wonderful photograph from uh, from the game that Mitch was just talking about. Actually, oh, um, yes. 1992. And it's actually, uh, it's today, Mitch. It's the anniversary. Uh, well, oh, yesterday, sorry. Today. April. April the twentieth, sorry. So it was yesterday, wasn't it? Yesterday. Um, yeah, that was that. That picture was put out by them. But uh, yeah, um, somebody, somebody going on, going on there saying legacy fans. <laughs> legacy fans. No, but me, me, me mate Nick in Abu Dhabi recognises quite a few lads off of that, off of that picture when he, he saw it on Twitter. He yeah, went, th- went, went, he went through it and named one of the lads on the barrier and some of the lads next to him as well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we were, we were down the side as well, weren't we, Mitch? Not, we were down the side of the pitch as well as behind the goal. Yeah, we had a, it was like an L shape because um, yeah. we had the their, their full away allocation. You, you got to remember the baseball ground was a bit, bit like bloody um, Goodison Park, you know, with stanchions and it it, it was a, it was a shed really, you know, and yeah. and uh, it, that typified how we were. And I'm quite sure we had more than the allocation in as well. It was even. Yeah, kid called Noxie standing on one of the barriers anyway. But uh, yeah, give them a follow away, days 23. There's always some really good photos of uh, yesteryear on there, if that's the kind of thing you are interested in. And uh, good good of them to share that this week when we're looking at Derby. So, George, on to you for your second game. Right, not not a long one this time. But before I do, uh, Stu giving a shout for a birthday. I wanted to give a shout for uh, Mary Glyndon, our MP, whose husband died uh, regrettably in the last day or so. Uh, two great workers for the community. Um, yes, she's a Labour MP, but she's a hard worker for everybody in North Tyneside. And Ray was certainly a right-hand man. Great Newcastle supporter. So, uh, you know, rest in sympathy, Ray, and our uh, sympathies go to Mary uh, and look forward to seeing her at St James's Park again. The second game is... Uh, I remember I was there... But I remember more about the tension in the crowd than I do about the game. Um, it was the Saturday, the 4th of February. And of course, it was just after um, Rafa's uh, silence, almost, of uh, what Ashley didn't do in the, in the January transfer window. And I went along with other people thinking, well, uh, is he actually going to be in the dugout? Is he going to turn up or is, is he going to walk away? But there he was and, and, and controlling things like he did in his, his own fashion. And uh, it was it was a, a very tense match, as my re- uh, memory. Um, Matt Ritchie scored the only goal of the game. And uh, to see uh, 52,300 at, at the game, uh, and just to show how things have or haven't changed, uh, Darlow Clark, 
Hanley, Ritchie, Yedlin, Shelby, Hayden, Diami, Gufran and Mitrovic. Well, you know, that's not a lot different to what we're playing at the moment. And uh, um, But as I say, very tense in the crowd, uh, very tense uh, uh, in the team as well. And uh, the other thing that uh, added a bit of spice to it, of course, is, uh, is the manager was uh, McLaren. And the assistant manager was a, a little man called Kevin Phillips, who wasn't always popular at St James's Park. So you know, there was a there was a lot of things about the ground. It just wasn't the game, but uh, the tension and the, and the tension before the game and people talking about Rafa and what was going to happen. Did anything happen? Would anything happen? Uh, and then, of course, uh, it filtered on, into the game really. And so the second match was uh, something of a. Compared to the first, something of an anticlimax, but an important one for us because we needed to get our back on track if we were going to get this promotion. And I think the the, the way they stuck in and got that point did set one on track to uh, start the, to finish the season the way we wanted uh, at the, near the top of the league or at the top of the league. So that was my second one, one nil at home, but a very tense game and Matt Ritchie scoring the goal. Nick from the Felon, good evening. He says, old corner and scoreboard lads on many occasions were leg of P fans. <laughs> <laughs> very good, very clever. <laughs> oh, Steve, so, somebody asked a question about what I said about going down on your hunkers, is what I said. Not, yes, <laughs> not, not hunkers. Yeah, hunkers. Not hunkers. Hunkers, yeah. Okay, Steve Wilkinson. Yeah, um, my my second game is one I was it was mentioned earlier on by by Keith Rowell. I think the game in '99 with uh, away at Derby, which were Newcastle won four three. Um, just a sort of background story to this. Um, that was the season, the beginning of that season when we first stopped, formed NUDZA, Newcastle Disabled Supporters Association, uh, with Rose and Steve Miller, who, who many of you you'll know on there. Um, and we're, we're trying to arrange away trips. Now, it was always difficult, and still is, getting enough wheelchair tickets. They're, they're, we're, you're, you're, most of the grounds, well, they've got a lot better facilities nowadays for uh, for people with wheelchairs and stuff. Um, it, it's, it's often difficult to get tickets for away fans, and, and usually quite a small number. And uh, But Derby was, at that time, had moved to Pride Park. You were talking about the baseball ground earlier on, but Pride Park was one of the... I always called them Lego stadiums. There's loads of bog standard stadiums, Southampton and Sunderland and a few others that have got roughly the same design and, and, and Pride Park was one of them. But one thing, because it was a, a new build, it, it had plenty of, plenty of facilities for, for wheelchairs. So it was, a, it was a game we could get tickets for. Um, it was the second trip we'd, we'd had. We'd, we'd gone to Blackburn at Christmas time um, and, and managed to get enough tickets on this derby because they also had a quite a good... Disabled Supporters Association, and we were setting ours up and, you know, wanting to model on that. So uh, when we, we, we travelled down to the game, uh, we were greeted by a, a guy who was there, disabled liaison officer, a guy called Ted Gascoigne, lovely old bloke, and he, he he just shook everybody's hand coming up the bus. You really felt welcome. Got us into the ground and, and uh, you know, said, if anybody wants anything, just let us know, and the stewards are well trained up. So the, the first incident that happened was, was pre-kick-off because... Um, we were all behind the goal, which is where, where Castle fans always go in that Pride Park. And you're right down at the front. And uh, we, we, the, the, the players were training in, in the warm-up. And um, they, had, they had the goal. And then alongside the goal, they had a big net to stop the ball going into the pitch. You might, you know, a lot of grounds have that sort of thing. And uh, the team were warming up. Uh, and, and I was standing, I was sitting in my chair quite near to where Rose Miller was. And 
suddenly the, the the ball come flying through between the net of the goal and the and the, the safety net hit by Andres Anderson and hit Ross full in the face and she was flattened by this this shot that hit her full in the face and Andres Anderson the, the gap that he got this thing was was almost if he tried to do it he wouldn't have been able to do it so that was a that was a great start but uh, so on the game itself um, it, it was noticeable for, for some really fantastic goals from both teams. Um, Derby, Derby took the lead with a with an overhead kick from Dion Burton in the in the after eight minutes, and then Gary Speed equalised with it with a diving header soon after. So by just after ten minutes, the game, score was one each. Um, Derby got a penalty after twenty two minutes um, and, and went one ahead, and then we got a we got a free kick just outside the penalty area to the to the right side. Um, Gary Speed took that and, and rifled a shot right across the goal at the far side. So it was twos each after a um, little more than 20-odd minutes. Um, and then just before half-time, um, we got another free kick. And what noticeable in this game was was Alan Shearer wasn't playing. I, I, I can't remember whether he, he was injured or anything like that, but whether it was the it was the week before we were playing the semi-final. So whether he was just rested by Rude Hullet, I can't remember. I don't know if any of you can remember why Shearer wasn't playing. Um Silvio Maric was was up front, um, and uh, he tapped the free kick that gets Bayer just inside of him from about twenty five yards. Kept fired fired a shot, and it took a wicked deflection, beat the keeper. So half time we are winning three two, um, and then the, the probably the goal of the game, the second half. Kets uh, Bayer put the ball across the tack on the other end, though, obviously in front of the Newcastle fans into the penalty area. Nobby Solano hit a fantastic volley. And uh, he, he sort of came straight out of the crowd behind the goal and got mobbed, just as you, you imagine. He got he went right in the crowd and shaking everybody's hand. That put us four two up. And then near the end, I think it was the last couple of minutes, um, Paolo Wanchop, big lanky lad, came on for sub, and he he headed in Derby's equaliser with another diving header. So there was, there was some fantastic goals, and that was that was three four. And then uh, back on the, on the bus, and we were we were the lead bus out of. And there's a photograph Ros has got of. Of the us getting let, the first bus out on the convoy, getting away with a Derby County's ground. So, what a great day! Um, there, there's a little old guy who used to come round from Derby, which was one of the, the, the helpers, and uh, he came round just before half time and asked if everybody wanted a cup of tea, and he came round with a cup of tea for everybody that wanted one. So, so it was a great <laughs> day, and it was a, a good introduction to how how a disabled supporters group should be running. We, we learned a lot, and obviously that's gone from strength to strength now. And, 20-odd years on, Nuds are still going strong. Stephen uh, and Ross still running it with, with uh, doing great stuff and uh, in the, obviously being involved with some of you guys on like, so NUST and fans forum meetings, I think, in, in recent years just to get the, the mention of what, uh, what, what what disabled fans are like. And they've got disabled liaison officers here and things. So uh, things are picking up now and that sort of side. So that's my second story. Brilliant stuff, Steve. Great stuff. Yeah, and they do do a great job for, uh, for Nudzer. It's uh, been yeah. been fantastic over the years and I've uh, been lucky enough to pop along to some of the events that they've done at the club as well. Um, over to you then, Stu, for your second game. Well, I'll fast forward 10 years from my last one. So from 87 to 97, uh, we were playing away and it was on Boxing Day, which is George's birthday. So it's the third birthday. Cheers. It's also Frankie, who I've mentioned a, f- a few stories as well. It's his birthday as well. But me and Darren went to the game and Frankie wasn't allowed to come with us because the people that we went with would have just had his life all day. 
just to put a bit of background on this, it was my daughter's first Christmas. So I had a nice family Christmas and ate too much, drank too much. And then we had to meet at eight in the morning with the bare remainder of the daughter's just been born. So we're meant to be a bit more sensible now and mature and grown up. So when I was asked who you're going to match with, I was just some friends from football who we, who we play football with. So we meet in the salubrious surroundings of the Sporting Arms on Scots <laughs> Scotswood uh, for an eight o'clock in the morning login, uh, curtains drawn, and basically we're told you've got to buy five pints and you've got nowhere to drink them, and this is what you had to do. You know, there was there's no arguing with it. And the one thing I remember when we uh, Darren went to the toilet, he come back. He went, "Have you been to the toilet?" And I went, "No." He went, "You need to have a look, man." I says, "What for?" He went, "Just go and have a look and tell us what you think." So anyway, I went and I come back and I say, there's blood all over the walls, dry blood all over the walls. He went, I but there's fresh stuff as well for them grandies that were arguing before. So anyway, we managed to get out of uh, the out of Scotland, across the bridge. And by no sooner have we got across the bridge, the, the special cigarettes come out on the minibus. Now we had three minibuses going. And obviously you declined. But whether you wanted it or whether you didn't want it, by the time you got to Washington services, the whole the whole bus was stoned. You know, even the driver. And it was just one <laughs> this is like nine o'clock on Boxing Day morning. And you know, you couldn't open the window because it was just like just flumes. It was like the Pope had been announced, the new Pope had been announced if you open the window. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just had no choice but then we obviously drinking still. So they go, well that's bad enough. We'll get there, local bar with our polite friends. See, I won't mention any of the names, but by now some of them are probably out of jail and watching this, so I've got to be careful. So they, they, the game the game was what the game we went one nil down after uh, well early doors first few minutes anyway. From what at the time, now this is where we talk about VAR or how referees have changed. If I mentioned Peter Jackson from ten years previously, uh, this was it looked apparently we were at the other end and it looked apparently where we were sitting. But later on the, well, the next time I managed to get a seat, I think it might have been on Northern Life or something on the Monday, or the, the day after anyway. Yeah. It, it showed that the, the player, Sturridge, didn't even get contact. He just dived over. So VR would have worked in our favour that day and it wouldn't have been a penalty. So that would have been two nil-nils I was talking about. But uh, David Batty got sent off in that game. Now, for the life of me, I... I still, I know every single fan, it was never a red card if it's your team. It wasn't, he won the ball, he actually won the ball, it was his second yellow. And I think even in today's analysed games, it wouldn't have been a foul. But Spatty had a reputation that as soon as he went to someone, he's going to, you know, he's, they're going to card him. So that's it, we got beat 1-0. I, I wrote three things down I remember from the game. And it's something that Steve Wilkinson just mentioned before there. Uh, was Pride Park. It was symptomatic of a lot of new stadiums that are cropping up at the time, like Meccano sets. And I think that was our first game there. So someone asked earlier, when was the, like, when did it start? My guess would have been 96, 97, around about that time. The second one was uh, Paolo Wanshop. For anyone who was at the game, uh, he was getting a bit of abuse in the warm-up. And then when they had a corner in the second half, and he went to retrieve the ball from behind the, the billboard. Someone, you know, just a bit of banter, as I, I suppose. And he started gesticulating towards the, the crowd. Well, this just incensed everyone. Imagine after Christmas Day and like, the uh, Boxing Day drive down on, on the drink. 
and he ended up getting taken off. So we all, well, not all of us, but some people said, right, I'm going to write, because at the time you didn't just send uh, Twitter accounts or anything like that. You had to write to the FBA and complain. But we never got round to it because uh, of what comes next. The third thing is the three last named players on our team sheet that day were Des Hamilton, Ian Rush and John Dahl Thomason. One year previously when I was there, on the team sheet were Alan Shearer, Les Ferdinand and Peter Beardsley. So, <laughs> you know when you you know when you you're not gonna win nothing that year. So that that was uh, that. So we think when the game's finished, we'll get back at the minibuses. A few of the lads start winning, but then someone decided now I did I do have a geography A level. So I know how to get myself around the country. I've been to a lot of away games, even by well, a lot of away games at that stage. Someone took it upon themselves and wanted to go and see the friend on the way home. The friend lives in Preston. Oh, I. Now, <laughs> that is nowhere near the way home from Derby to Newcastle. Uh, but again, you can't really disagree with the people who are saying this is where we're going. So we ended up having to like, try and squeeze up to some hotel room. It was like a holiday in where there's like eight of us in one room and a, a couple of Lilo's got bought and you had to like, share... And it was just this madness, like 30, 40 Newcastle fans walking around Preston on Boxing Day night. And he, the lad he was going to meet ran the doors at one of the clubs. I think it was, uh, oh, I can't remember the name of it, Tokyo Joe's. Tokyo Shumagai. I think Tokyo Joe's is in Wigan. Tokyo, was, was, uh, was, anyway, was just one of the, It was on three levels. It's on three levels. And there was people queuing who just like, marched straight at the front. And then, oh, nice to see you, <clears throat> Mr. X. Right, lads, uh, he says, can we, my mates get in? So he thought there was about three of us. Well, there wasn't, there was nearly like 40 of us. And you just see all the cute, like, complaining about these like, foreigners, northerners, and we're northern depressed and, you know, getting getting let in for now. So eventually we filtered across three different, but we weren't allowed to stand in a group, so that, like, go on the three different levels. No, needless to say, one of the levels got trashed. Everyone joined in, and there was a few sore heads and cut. Could bear bodies, I suppose, on the in this in this hotel room, and there was no way I was sleeping. I was never so glad to get back home from the way match as I was that one. I was just on my toes all day and all night as it was. So that was me. That was the first game I thought of, but the second game I'd mentioned, if that makes sense. Yep, it but does. Always a good, always a good story with your away trips, uh, Stu. I remember when you first came on, you said you had some coke, as you you, you weren't lying. Uh, Mitch, over to you for your second. Well, my second game is actually the season after. The first one I talked about, August 92, at Derby. Um, it was part of the, the unbeaten run at the start of the following season. Um, what a different atmosphere. And it was all because they kept talking about us at the previous game. You're going for a pint and all the Derby fans would want to talk about how great we were as fans during the last game. Um, totally different atmosphere. The game itself, though the first half picked up where the other game left off, it was a bit of a kicking match, actually. Uh, truth be told, it was a little bit of a kicking match. Uh, but then it calmed down in the second half, football happened. Uh, round about the 50th minute, I think it was, Franz Carr, who had a, a superb game, actually, uh, drifted a beautiful cross in for Gavin Peacock, who opened the scoring. Um, then five minutes later, lovely interchange on the right wing between Lee Clark and Franz Carr. Lee Clark cuts back inside onto his left foot, drives a beautiful shot into the bottom corner. 2-0, and it really was game over. We dominated the rest of that game. Um, they got a consolation late on. 
but it, the, the result was never in doubt. And what a world of difference a season on from the season before. Uh, looking so comfortable, looking so confident, playing better football, but still galvanised going back to the previous game, the previous season. And I still think that laid that foundation. Um, and, and I think that when I look back, I, I, I found the footage online and looked back at it. Um, I forgot how good Lee Clark's goal was. It's an absolutely pearler. Oh. You, you, you must must have have a look at it. Obviously, I I must have seen it through a little bit of a alcoholic haze. Um, but it it was a really really good move and a really good goal. So that's my second game. A world of difference. A season apart, all because of Kevin Keegan, but all because of us pulling everything together. Good stuff, Steve Hasty. Oh, you're on mute, mate. Yes. You're still on mute. I can't unmute Pardon? you, mate. There we go. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Just saying, last legacy game, Mark Brown put up a, a little, twist, <laughs> little piece on the end there about a game that he was at, and he said it was his first game. I'll tell him, I'll remind him of the date. It was the 5th of May, 1984. Um, played Derby, um, heading up for promotion. Uh, Arthur Cox manager, we'd had Keegan. Two seasons. Uh, game starts off. It's a beautiful sunny day. And basically, we just ripped them apart. Absolutely ripped them apart. The game ended 4-0, but it could have been 7 or 8. It, it was one of those games where you just knew it was going to be goal after goal after goal. The excitement, the euphoria, everything about the whole game. Um, and it was the game that basically, other than... Other than mathematics, uh, handed us the the, the promotion. Got, you know, guaranteed by third place, so we're promoted virtually. I mean, there was a lap of honour that went in. But on some of the other shows, we talk about how we love to see players getting to the byline and cross the ball. And Chrissy Waddle did just that. He went down the lane, he brought, hooked the ball back into the middle, and who's standing there but Kevin Keegan? And he knocks the header in. And actually gets knocked out at the same time, gets absolutely flattened by the defender, but we're one nil up. Then what happens next? And that was that was Keegan's twenty seventh goal of the season, by the way. Twenty seven goals, absolutely amazing. But what happens next is we get Peter Beardsley deciding to run the show, and we and we saw the person who was destined to take over from Keegan lift take the mantle on as we knew Keegan was retiring, and Beardsley really, really did in this particular game. And uh, he, he scored two beautiful goals. He scored his 17th goal of the season. Um, again, remarkable uh, when you think about it. Um, but you look at the team. I mean, there, there was a, his fourth goal. I, I miss, I'll miss out Chrissy Waddles for now, but his fourth goal, Beardsley's fourth goal, lovely cross by Waddle. And um, Terry Mack did an, a marvellous impersonation of Joe Linton where he swung for the ball, his right foot completely sliced it and it went nowhere. And where did it end up? On the edge of the six-yard box with Peter Biedzny and he puts a diving header in. Absolutely. It was though it was just planned. Absolutely perfect. I, I'm sure if you ask Terry Mack now, he would say that that cross was absolutely destined for to be on the end of Peter Biedzny's head when we know for a fact it wasn't. But that, that's the way it was. But even even Widdle Waddle, Waddley's goal, Chrissy Waddle's goal, um, you know, a move that involved 
it involved McDermott hitting the ball to Keegan, who knocks the ball back to Beardsley, who strokes the ball over the top and into Waddle, who's running on, and he strokes the ball past the keeper. You know, moves like that, excitement like that, the way that the, the way that the team just gelled. And you look at that team. I, I had to write it down just just to remind people. We had Kevin Carr in goal. We had Kenny Wharton and, and John Anderson at fullback. We had Glenn Rodar and Steve Carney playing at the centre of the fence. We had a midfield that was held together by a, a marvellous player in David McCreary, who I don't think gets the accolades that sometimes he deserves. No, he doesn't. Um, Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, he he deserves every accolade that's going in terms of the way that he could, could marshal yeah. and organise a midfield. Um, and playing alongside him, he had Terry Mack, who was a totally different player at home, who, you know, yes, he could stick his foot in, but Terry Mack was just just so, so different. And we'd seen him at Liverpool. And when he came back in Newcastle, um, he just carried on in that same vein. With John Truick, of all people, again, probably, you know, underrated at that particular time. Um, but when you have a forward line of, of Keegan, Beardsley and Waddle, then, you know, it was just a dream come true. Um, as I say, that game got us promoted. Um, all, bar the, all bar the shouting. Um, we went up in third place. Uh, Keegan then, you know, later on in the season, we see him flying off in the helicopter. But we thought that was the start um, with all that Cox as manager and we we're going to go places. And, you know, that it had been it had been settled, you know, that the sows the, 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 the were seed, uh, seeds were sown rather. Um, little bit of a realise it was going to take another, what, eight years before we actually saw them come to fruition. Uh, where we had to get Keegan to come back. But uh, that 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 for me, fabulous game, absolutely fabulous game. Great stuff, some great recollections from the lads. I'm sure uh, the viewers don't mind we're going into a little bit of extra time because uh, some of the stories do have uh, do have twists and turns. But uh, some great recollections there. Okay, as uh, regular viewers will know, we always uh, do uh, a couple of sections before the lads pick a one to eleven. Uh, we'll do celebrity fans first. Uh, so this is uh, fans. Uh, who supposedly support uh, Derby County. Some are alive, some might be dead, but uh, here we go. The lads have got to guess. Dennis Skinner. Dennis Skinner. Correct. The Beast of, of Bolsover. Tim. <laughs> Dennis Skinner. Now, we're looking for the girl's name here. Oh. No, look at it. Look at him sitting there drinking, smug as anything. That <laughs> <laughs> I've got to be honest, I would never have got this, lads. No. You've got a clue there. It's not my kind of films. That's a Bollywood film, is it? No, I think it's a yeah. Frankie Vaughan or Andy Thorne one, is it? Correct. Is it? <laughs> You can't catch this because the waves watch That was a good conservative guest there from Steve Wilkinson, but it's not. No, it's uh, Kieran Lee, uh, a porn star uh, on the left there. Yes, uh, obviously quite happy with her, her husband there. I wouldn't wouldn't know what one of those was, Steve. Got a shop for them on the high street. <laughs> okay, who's this, lads? Is that Prince Harry? It's not Prince. It's not Prince Harry. <laughs> I'll give you a clue. He's Irish. 
I think I know this, but I'm going to be embarrassed to say it. Go is for it, it. The lad that was in there, One Direction. It is. Oh, uh, Neil Horan. That's right. Well done, Neil yeah. Horan. I didn't know his name. I recognise. Wow. No. Good photo of him. Yeah, it looks like Jim Carrey, but it's not. Well, you're in the right profession. Oh, what? Looks like young Jack Nicholson. Can't be. Oh, I tell you what, you're what? halfway there with one of the names. Oh, Jack. Jack. Jack D. Oh. No, ah. it's not Jack D. And it's not Jim Carrey. O'Connell. O'Connell. Well done, Jack O'Connell. I'll give you that. Wow. Good shout, actor, Jack O'Connell. I'm expecting Mitch to get this. Oh, man, it's a guitarist from Blur, isn't it? Correct. Yeah. Cox. Cox yeah. is his surname, isn't it? You need, a bit, you need to extend that and not in Coxon. the adult film way. Coxon, <laughs> yes. Correct. Graham Coxon. Graham, Graham Coxon. <laughs> Last one, which, last one, which is the one that uh, I, I thought might stump you, but you, I bet you George gets this. Yeah. Tim Brook Taylor. No, now he is a Derby. He was a Derby fan. I think he passed he away. Used to be, he used to say he was, eh? Yeah, well, he, he was definitely a Derby fan. No, that isn't Tim Brook Taylor. But again, um, you, you, you're, you're in the right area. You're warm. He's an actor, then, obviously. He's an actor, yeah. He, he often wore hats. With this having with this having the success with a porn star, then I'm uh, I'm I'm happy to give you another clue. Where uh, this guy would often, um, you know, with one of his roles, he would give power to the people. Robert Lindsay. Oh man, Robert oh, Lindsay. Robert Lindsay. Yeah. Robert Lindsay yes, uh -huh. playing playing Cyrano de Bergerac there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's the celebrity ones done for this week. Um, players that played for uh, Newcastle and Derby also include managers or coaches in this. So uh, there's a there's an array of talent. Um, don't think you'll have many problems with any of these, no. to be honest. That's Arthur, Arthur Cox. Cox. Arthur Cox, of course, who's already featured on tonight's show. That budgie, budgie. John John Burridge. Burridge, yeah. yeah. Of course, he played. <laughs> we we'll often have this I'm laugh on this show. There isn't a club that John Burridge hasn't played for. That's yeah. in Safa Park. That's yeah. uh, Shefty Coochie. Shefty Coochie. Jim Smith. Jim Smith. Bald Eagle. Dean Saunders. Dean Saunders. Yeah. Of course, part of the coaching staff at St. James's Park. Leon Best. Yes. Leon Best. George Mitchell. Steve McLaren. Mick Harford. Mick Harford. Another Man, one who's featured quite a bit, a bit over the last couple of weeks. Certainly have. Rob Lee. Rob Lee. Rob Lee. Rob Lee. Rob Lee. 
Warren Barton. Warren Barton. Warren Barton. Uh, is that Hendrick? Correct, Jeff yeah, Hendrick. Yeah. Jeff Hendrick, yeah. Jeff Hendrick, very young Jeff Hendrick, and that's right. it. A clean, a clean sweep on the players for you tonight, that lads. Was the last time you moved, was it? It probably was, mate. Yeah, <laughs> on the pitch as well as of it. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Um, yeah, some great, some, some great ones there, and uh, obviously over to you now, lads, to uh, to pick your eleven. So, Steve, you've had to wait last for everything today, so we'll come to you first for that. Right. Um, I was, you know what. It was difficult because we had we had a, a whole raft of players uh, to choose from. Um, I went, I went with in goal because <laughs> I was struggling. I went with Shea Given, right? Just because he's on the he's on the coach and stuff there I was now. Coaching there now. Yeah. And then I went with because I couldn't. I, I, I saw Andy Griffin as a fullback. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. was. Was uh, where I was coming from then, um, and then after that, I was tell you the truth, I was really, really struggling, really, really struggling. I mean, I've got I've got a whole raft of players listed. I, you know, I've got plenty of strikers. I had more strikers than I, I knew what to do yeah. with, no more than odd winners. But uh, really, really struggling to, to actually put a team together. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm, I'll. I don't think I think what I'll do is I'll leave it and let you rattle the names off because <laughs> otherwise it'll blow it'll blow the, the uh, team of players that you're gonna uh, choose because I'm just gonna rattle off a load of names and people are gonna go, uh, Oh all right. Because I've literally just got striker after striker after striker. Yeah, and, and lots of strikers. Anybody anybody confident then with their eleven? Anyone uh, give it a yeah. shot? Go on the Mitch. Uh, I've, yeah. go I've got a swashbuckling four two four. With right. Budgie and Goal, back four, Warren Barton, Gary Caldwell, Aidan McCaffrey, and Andy Griffin. I've oh. got Bob Lee and Gordon Hughes in, in, in centre mid. And then a front four of Sarge, Paul Kitson, Mick Harford, and Chef Kikuchi, all managed by Arthur Cox. Brilliant stuff. Okay, Stu. Right. Again, I was 24 once, so I've got a 3 3 4 formation. Shea Given and Goal, back three of Warren Barton, Andy Griffin, and a lad called Michael Hoganson. After doing some research, I found he's a local lad, uh, and he didn't really play for he didn't play for Newcastle, but he did for Derby, and he fell out with the, one of the managers there. But he's now back then playing for one of the teams up up, uh, up north. Um, middle midfield three of Hendrick, Robert Lee, and Lauren Robert, yeah. and then. Up front, I've got Mick Harford, Leon Best, Paul Kitson. And after doing research, I come across this guy that George won't even remember, a chap by the name of Harry Bedford, who scored. He played for Derby, signed for Newcastle, played 30 games for Newcastle between 1930 and 1932, and he scored 17 goals in 30 games. So I thought that deserves a mention. So I put him up front as well. And... Uh, managers, we could have had Jim Smith, Steve McLaren, but I think the obvious choice is Arthur Cox. That's Great me. stuff. Great stuff. Steve Wilkinson. Yeah, well, I've I've had Shea given in goal for he's on the coaching squad there. Um, same defence as uh, as Mitch, Andy Griffin, Gary Caldwell, Ed McCaffrey, and Warren Barton. Midfield reluctantly Jeff Hendrick, but I think he played well for every other team apart from when he's played here, so uh, kept him in. Rob Lee, Lauren Robert in the midfield. 
Uh, up front, Leon Best, Paul Goddard, and uh, not mentioned so far, Huey Gallagher apparently played for Derby. Yeah, he, he uh, did. Yeah. So I've, I've never seen him play, but he was pretty good apparently. So um, well, that was my team. And again, Arthur Cox as manager. Out of the options of uh, Jim Smith and um, McLaren. George? Old-fashioned one to 11. Eric Steele, Warren Barton, Bobby Ferguson, uh, Dave Bell, Gary Caldwell, uh, Rob Lee, and then right across the front from seven is uh, Gordon Hughes, Paul Goddard, um, Leon Best, uh, Paul Kitson, and Laurent Rebet, and uh, Manager Cox. Yeah, could be anybody else's manager. What do you make of all them then, Steve? You know what? There was I was going to go with a mid with a, a, a striking partnership of Huey Gallagher and a bloke called Duncan Hutchison, who was actually signed <laughs> yeah. to replace Hugh Gallagher, but ended up ended up being quite a star in himself for those three years, but also ended up at Derby. Um, and then obviously I I didn't know whether any of us would remember Lauren Robert because he was only there only there a few months. Um, but the rest of them, you know, uh, I'm amazed that none of you picked Glenn Hodges. Absolutely shocking. <laughs> you know. God, he was the first player from Wimbledon to get a to get uh, to play at international level. I'm amazed you missed him. He was fantastic for us, wasn't he? I Did he last eighty days or something? Eighty six five games. Yeah. Wow. Five How long years. did he last at Derby? Yeah, that probably the of June as well. How long did uh, he last at Derby, Steve? I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but he, he had quite a career. But I mean, I just got there that, that 86 games. Um, the, 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 there was another guy called Gordon Hughes that we had from 1956 mm. to 1960. Yeah, yeah. We paid yeah. we paid 30 quid for him. We yeah. sold him for a grand. Yeah. <laughs> That was a good well, deal. Gordon, Mike Ashley would have Gordon, loved that. Gordon was one of the last part-timers <laughs> that actually right. kept his job down the pit where yeah. he played for the first team. And it, it made common sense, financial sense, because he was with his pay, pay from the pit and his pay from his part-time. He was earning more than bloody Jackie Milburn was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great stuff. Well, we have gone in extra time, but it was well worth it. Some great stories, some great recollections. Obviously, All next right. week we'll, we are going to do Hull City, which is uh, thanks to Tom Dixon, who clearly just scours the internet and looks for the hardest teams for us to do each week. Uh, the following week, we're going to do Southampton. So that's the next two weeks sorted. Uh, thanks for everybody's suggestions, uh, including Paul Gibson, who suggests that maybe we could do a late show where we can reminisce about various X rated stars and films. Um, yeah. <laughs> Maybe, uh, maybe we could do that at some point. We might start with confessions of a window cleaner or confessions of a driving, driving instructor this, this, with uh, this Robin Asquith. Legacy porn fans, is that? Legacy yeah. porn fans, yeah. Well, I think we better start with those kind of soft titles first, lads. We don't want to get too carried away. Well, great suggestion, Paul. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what hearts would be able to take it. I'm afraid, and we'll probably all get chucked out the house. Uh, thanks for that, guys. Great to see you. Um, Thank you. I'll, I'll see Steve yes, and I'll everyone. see Mitch on uh, Friday night see you for all. the Free Amigos. Take care. Bye. Good night, everybody. Good night, Marjorie. <laughs> Good night, Marjorie. Bye. Night, night, Take care. Good night, everybody.
But it's the only way you're ever gonna learn your love 